Good morning, church. Boy, it's easy to preach after a song like that and uh, to hear all of us in unison singing praises to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. What a blessing that truly is. Thank you for being here this morning here at Neil Road Baptist Church. If you're joining us online, thank you for joining us well uh, on YouTube. Thank you for t tuning in. Um, but as you turn with me in your Bibles to Psalm chapter 139, Psalm 139, I would like to take just a brief moment and, and thank you for all your, your prayers, phone calls, texts over the past week um, in relation to the passing of uh, Aunt Pam. Uh, she uh, was called home quick, uh, and she is certainly in a better place now. Uh, however, it, it certainly leaves a huge void in my life and in our family's life, and it's going to take some time uh, to, to grieve uh, her loss uh, here on, on this planet. Uh, but it is certainly her gain and heaven's gain in glory, and we know that. We take peace in that, but as many of you know who have lost a loved one, it does take time. So I would appreciate your prayers in the next coming weeks and months. As we mourn the loss of a dear saint, I will tell you that she loved worshiping with you. She loved being here the last couple of years. She came when she could, and she had nothing but great things to say of the people of Nilro Baptist Church. And, and so I want to thank you for loving her and receiving her well uh, in the Lord these past two years. Well, hopefully you are in Psalm chapter 139 with me. And this morning, we're going to continue our Popular Unpopular Truth uh, series by examining what the Bible has to say about the sanctity of life, the sanctity of life. It is with great joy many of us this past year celebrated, rejoiced at the overturning of Roe v. Wade. What an answer to prayer, this certainly was. Years and years and years, especially in the evangelical church, we have prayed for such a time as this. It was a huge win to be put in the column for those of us who are pro-life. However, the Supreme Court's ruling did not rid our country of abortion in America. It's a step in the right direction, but for those of us who are pro-life and praying that abortion would be thrown into the ash heaps of, of history, that has simply not happened yet. Contrary to popular belief, there are places in this country where abortion is still legal. As of September 23rd, only 14 states have placed a full ban on abortion. 17 other states allow restricted abortion access. Seven states have special limitations on abortion. And 22 states in these United States of America allow for abortions to continue without any restriction or limitation. So Roe v. Wade may be gone, 
but abortion still lives in America. The killing of the unborn still lingers in our land. And it's a direct result of our nation rejecting the truth. God's truth. We know that. Romans 1 tells us that when truth is suppressed, when truth is ignored, when truth is put on the back burner, God will give a people up to their sinful desires. In essence, God's wrath is being trickled out to those who reject them, and this world in large has done just that. The wrath of God is revealed in the advocacy of sexual freedom and sex outside of the marriage bed. The wrath of God is revealed in the advocacy of same-sex relations and same-sex marriage. The wrath of God is being revealed on our country in its hatred of God himself. Legalizing abortion, legalizing gay marriage, promoting contraceptives to make it easier to sin sexually, leaving God out of everything. No more prayer in schools. Bible classes that exist on our public campuses that actually teach sound doctrine and not just Bible stories. And the list goes on and on. The wrath of God is being poured out onto our country. It is just a drop of what is to come for all who blaspheme his holy and his perfect name and his perfect word. At the same time, we want to call ourselves the land of the free and the home of the brave. At the same time, we want to call ourselves as the beacon of hope and prosperity of the world. And we in our American arrogance and pride love singing songs and pledging allegiance to a country that is hypocritical in its claim that we are to be role models to the world. Now I promise this is not a politically charged sermon. That has its place and not in the pulpit. But rather it is time for us to renew our focus. To really examine who we are as pilgrim patriots in a country that says one thing but does another. Especially when it comes to the sanctity of human life. You know, this past month with our outreach emphasis for the past month, we supported Life Choices Rowan and we collected many, many things to support this ministry that is pro-life and takes a valiant, unashamed stance for the sanctity of human life. But we must not stop there. We must not say that we are pro-life and turn the other cheek to the murders that are still commencing right here in our country. We can't say that we're pro-life and still advocate and support the scientific benefits that come from the shedding of innocent blood. 
We cannot say that we are pro-life and support the liberal agenda of pro-choice. We need to wake up to such hypocrisy. So, what do we need to do to make that happen? This morning is going to be focusing on the biblical perspective of the sanctity of human life. We do not choose to be pro-life just because the preacher says we ought to be pro-life. We do not choose to be pro-life because Fox News says we are to be pro-life. No, we do not choose to be pro-life because our parents or grandparents say, well, that's just the right thing to do. No, we choose to be pro-life because the Bible says it and that settles it. So what does the Bible say about the sanctity of human life? I want to read this, and I hopefully that we can leave here this morning with a newfound appreciation for standing up for the rights of those unborn. That we would not become quiet or uh, comfortable with the reality that Roe v. Wade has been overturned as law of the land, yet there are still abortions happening every single day. May we leave here with a newfound appreciation to stand up for the baby in the womb. As a way of introduction, I want to open us up at Psalm 139. So look with me in your Bibles to Psalm 139, and we're going to read this entire psalm. And I want you to listen to the, 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 the verbiage here, and also we're going to revisit this in the course of the next half hour to paint this picture of what the Bible says about life. We're going to read this, and then we'll pray. Psalm 139 says this, verse 1, O Lord, you have searched me. And known me. You understand, or you know when I sit down and when I rise up, you understand my thought from afar. You scrutinize my path and my lying down and are intimately acquainted with all my ways. Even before there was a word on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it all. You have enclosed me behind and before and laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is too high. I cannot attain it. Where can I go to, from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, behold, you are there. If I take my wings of the dawn, and if I dwell in the remote part of the sea, even there your hand will lead me, and your right hand will lay hold of me. If I say, surely the darkness will overwhelm me, and the light around me will be night. Even the darkness is not dark to you. And the night is as bright as the day. Darkness and light are alike to you. Therefore, for you formed my inward parts, you wove me in my mother's womb. I will give thanks to you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, and my soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you. When I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the depths of the earth, your eyes have seen my unformed substance, and in your book were all written the days that were ordained for me. When as yet there was none of them. How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God. How vast is the sum of them. If I should count them, they would outnumber the sand. When I awake, I am still with you. 
all that you would slay the wicked, O God. Depart from me, therefore, men of bloodshed, for they speak against you wickedly, and your enemies take your name in vain. Do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord? And do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with the utmost hatred. They have become my enemies. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts. And see if there be any hurtful way in me. And lead me in the everlasting way. Prayer and plea for our country. And a prayer and plea for us as we examine the word of God this morning. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word and thus the convicting power of this chapter. The weightiness of this topic this morning is incredibly heavy. And so, Father, I pray that you would give us all focused minds, tactful hearts. Lord, that you would be with my distracted mind. I am but a beggar. I have nothing to say other than what your word says. So, Lord, help me preach your truth for what it says. I need your help this morning. Would you use this crooked stick to draw a straight line? And, Lord, we will give you great glory for all you accomplish. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So what will be good to note here in relation to the sanctity of life? Well, there's three things. And I do pray you picked up a listening guide as you walked in. All the scripture references are there. We may not hit every one of them, but they are there for your latter study. I want to encourage you to follow along as we, uh, we, we go through this. Number one, the first heading that we need to define, if we're going to get this right, is number one, God ordains creation. God ordains creation. Creation. It's hard to read this psalm and not come to that conclusion. God ordains anything and God ordains everything that exists even down to conception. If we're going to believe in the sovereignty of God, if we're going to be sovereignty of God people, this is a truth that we must embrace. Even down to the baby that is born in the womb. God ordains that. Here's the reality. When two become one and they decide they want a baby, when it comes down to it, you didn't create that baby. God did. God knits the baby together in the womb. God wills you to carry, and he wills you not to carry. It doesn't matter what measure is taken. God ordains creation. It's interesting, a stat that I heard this past week. It's a one in 400 trillion chance that you exist. Did you know that? Even down to your thumbprint. It's so unique. It's like a one in 400 trillion chance that you even exist as a person. There's no thumbprint like yours in the world. There's no thumbprint like yours in history. That is unique to you. Because God ordained it to be that way. We are told that in the scriptures that children are a blessing. They're not merited. They're not deserved. But they're a gift. In Psalm 127 verse 3 it says, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. 
Some will have children and some won't. We read about that. In Genesis chapter 16, verse 2, And Sarai said to Abram, Behold, the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. Yet in God's time, in God's will, in God's way, children will come forth. We read about that in Genesis chapter 17, verse 16, when God commanded, I will bless her. Moreover, I will give you a son by her. I will bless her and she shall become nations. King of people shall be, uh, come from her. And we read in Genesis chapter 21 how Sarah does conceive. Abraham, they both conceive in their old ages. We see how God gives conception to Boaz and Ruth in Ruth chapter 4 verse 13 where it says, So Boaz took Ruth and she became his wife and he went in to her and the Lord gave her conception and she bore a son. God ordains children. God ordains the womb to carry children. God ordains creation to his ways and his purposes. Everything that happens on this side of eternity and the other, God is sovereignly in control over. He does it beyond our ability. Psalm 146 reminds us of this promise. It says, Blessed is he whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord his God, who made the heaven and he made the earth, the sea and all that is in them, who keeps faith forever. Gospel of John chapter 1 verse 3 says, All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Totally sovereign over it all. Ordaining creation down to the thunder. Now in relation to our text today, look in Psalm 139. God is sovereign over this creation. In verse 13, the scripture tells us that, Behold, you have formed my inward parts. You wove me in my mother's womb. God is the great weaver of our DNA. The word inner parts there in verse 13 references your kidneys. He has formed my kidneys, an organ that is very difficult to live without. The idea is your gut, the part of you that you cannot exist without. He formed this down to the delicate organ of the kidneys. Look at verse 15 of our mother text. It says, My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the depths of the earth. In other words, while you were in the womb, before you knew who you were, before you knew what was going on, before you even were was fully in a, a functional state, if you will, before birth, God knew you. Down to the smallest molecule. And if that isn't enough, look at verse 16 of our mother text. Your eyes have seen my unfound substance, unformed substance. And in your book were all written the days that were ordained for me, when as yet there was not one of them. 
when you were just a ball of mass, just matter. God was there. And not only was he there, he already had all your days planned out. Brothers and sisters, we worship a totally sovereign God. There is no way around this doctrine of sovereignty. In control, even when you are nothing but a thought in his eternal future plan. He willed you were born. He willed you live a certain time. He's God. So what makes him God? His sovereignty over everything. Before you were, he was. Not a mistake, not an accident. You were planned by God himself. Jeremiah 1.5 says, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were even formed, God knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. What a God we speak of. Every single person, every single baby, ordained by God in his sovereignty to be created for his purposes. God is sovereign and ordains creation. Now before we move on to the second heading, which is God ordains image, I want to just touch on something very quickly. There are some that I've heard that have been in counseling and we, we've, we've discussed this. There's an argument that is popular, especially in today's world, to have an abortion. That there is an exception to the rule of God. That if a doctor comes to you and says that your child is going to be handicapped, the abortion is okay. And this argument is not coming from the outside, it's coming from the inside of the church. This is not just comes from the outward secular influences of the depraved world in which we live. No, this argument comes from people who are claiming to be born again. But there are exceptions to this law of God in the shedding of innocent blood. If the secular doctor tells you the child is going to be handicapped, you can get rid of it. This is beyond me. I don't get it. How does this become popular in the church today? Where does the Bible say it's okay to abort a handicapped baby? What does the Bible say of children or even people who are handicapped from birth? Friends, the reality is we all have handicaps. All of us are Labeled more serious than others, but we're all given setbacks. Shortcomings in our health and our physical abilities. They may come on at birth, they may come on later in life, but we are all handicapped in some way, shape, or form. And God gives them to us to show the world. Show the world in His way. Show the world in his sovereign, ordaining way 
that he is in control and he gets glory from anything and everything despite what the world may label us to be. John, or excuse me, in Exodus chapter 4, verse 11. Remember the discussion with God and Moses? Moses having this stuttering problem, this stutterances. And the Lord said to him in Exodus chapter 4, it says, Who has made God's mouth or, or man's mouth? Who has, who makes him mute? Who makes man deaf? Who makes man blind? Is it not I, the Lord? John chapter 9, verse 3, it says, Jesus answered, It was not that the, this man has sinned that he is crippled. It is not that his parents have sinned that he is crippled, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. And even the handicapped child is created in such a way that God would get the greatest glory from it. It's not a tragedy. God knows what he's doing. He does what he does because his ways are bigger than ours. His thoughts are bigger than ours. And he does it for his glory. So what about the second heading? God ordains creation. But number two, God ordains image. God ordains image. Not only, taking this a step further, you know, every single solitary person that's ever walked this planet is created in a generic image of Almighty God. You're the only person that's ever existed that has that image-bearing ability. God created you in His image for His glory. Genesis 1.27 says so. Genesis 1 says, So God created man in His own image. It is the image of God, the image of God He created them. Male and female, He created them. Later on in the same chapter or, or book, Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, Then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living creature. And in Genesis chapter 5, when God created man, he made him in the likeness of God. There is nothing else in all of creation that has been created in this image but you. God ordained that you be created. And not only did he ordain that you be created, but he ordained that you be created in his image. For the one that doubts their significance in this world. For the one that struggles with purpose and meaning. For the one that wrangles with the ugly temptation of anxieties and depression. For the one that struggles with the confidence in knowing that you were created for something bigger than yourself. May this be an encouragement to you. You're not a mistake. You were not created in mistake. God ordained that you be who you are. To look the way you are. To talk the way you are. It says he has the hairs on our head numbered. Some of us have more hair than others. But you get the point. He ordained that you be. And he ordained that you be created. 
to reflect his image. You're somebody in Jesus because of who he is and what he has done. You are very valuable in the eyes of God because he and he alone has ordained you to be who you are. Which brings us to our third and final heading. God ordains creation. God ordains image. And the third heading and the purpose of this unpopular, popular truth sermon today is this. God hates murder. God hates murder. There's a theologian that said this just several years ago, but it's still true today in many places in our country. He says, and I quote, the most dangerous place in America for a child is inside a mother's womb. The most dangerous place in America for a child is inside the mother's womb. How tragic this is. We shouldn't have to talk of this point this morning, but we must. And friends, unapologetically, we can say this because God is the ordainer, if that's a word, of creation. And not only did he create, ordain that you be created in his sovereign way and will, he created you to be in his likeness, likeness in his image, exactly what you look like and who you are. Because we know that God is in control and we are not, we can unapologetically, unapologetically state this. That God hates murder. And abortion is just exactly that. Doesn't matter what you call it. Doesn't matter what label you want to put on it. Doesn't matter how you want to sugarcoat it. God hates the shedding of innocent blood, thus saith the Lord. And murder is murder is murder. And the blood of millions of innocent babies rests on the hands of us who refuse to speak up and speak out for the sanctity of human life. Genesis chapter 9, verse 6 says, Whoever sheds the blood of man, by man shall his blood be shed, for God made man in his own image. Exodus chapter 20, verse 3, 13 commands us, You shall not murder. Jesus takes it a step further and says, in, or excuse me, in 1 John, or excuse me, John 3, 15, it says, Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. That's 1 John 3, 15. James 4, 17 says, So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it for him, it is sin. So God creates what he creates. According to his sovereign will and his sovereign way and his sovereign purposes for his glory. Step further, he created you in his image for his glory. Not to be murdered. Not to be killed off. Not to be aborted. But to be loved. And cherished. And honored. 
The tragic thing is there are churches and denominations even in our cities, in our city, who will not take a stand against such evil, but will rather promote it as an option. It's your life. It's now or never. You have the authority to lay down life and to bring it up. And it's happening right here in this county. What are we doing about it? The Bible says life begins at conception. That's what the Bible says. It's not opinion. Doesn't matter what the world system tries to define when life begins or doesn't, that's not up for debate. Do you hear me, church? God, in His Word, makes it clear that life begins at conception. God, in His Word, makes it clear that God ordains it all. God, in His Word, makes it clear that God is sovereign over every single life, and God is clear in His Word that we have no authority to take that life away. And the shedding of innocent blood. There are denominations in our country or in our county and even in our city that will say there are exceptions to this law of God. The Episcopal Church will say that abortion is okay in the situation of rape or incest or the mother's life or even if the church or the child has abnormalities. You can abort a handicapped baby. The Evangelical Lutheran Church of America says abortion is okay if the life of the mother is at risk or if the child is going to be born handicapped. You have that authority to abort that baby. The National Association of Evangelicals state that Abortion is okay if in, this, in the situation or circumstance of rape, incest, or if the mother's life is in danger. The Presbyterian Church, the USA, not the PCA, but the PCUSA, simply says, it's up to you. Personal preference. You do what you want. Because after all, it's your body. My body, my choice, right? Wrong. The Wesleyan Church says that abortion is okay if the mother's life is at risk. The United Church of Christ, personal preference. As a matter of fact, the United Church of Christ is a firm advocate for abortion. And the United Methodist Church, personal preference for the mother's life. And even in our Southern Baptist Convention, abortion in that option is left open. If the mother's life is threatened. Where's the faith? Walking by faith, not by sight. Honoring the authority of the word of God. For perish or perish, whatever. Where's the faith here? Where's the desire to live as if this is our authority? 
instead of living based on personal choice and preference. Where is it? Friends, we're not God. There is a God. There is a God and we're not Him and regardless of situation or circumstance, God hates the murder of the innocent. It's not up for debate. And we must, as a church, take stand for the God-given rights and liberties of every single baby to be born. My question to you is, are you courageous enough to do so? I conclude with this, church. It's, it's time for us to wake up in this Disneyland that we live in of America. It's not okay to be okay with abortion. It's not okay to be okay with the shedding of innocent blood or to be silent when such bloodshed is happening. It's not okay to be okay with reaping scientific discovery from it regardless of the convenience that it may bring. It's not okay. Psalm 139, 16. Our mother text again. Your eyes have been have seen my unformed substance. And in your book were all written the days that were ordained for me, when as yet there was not one of them. We have no authority to take away the life of a precious baby. And to cut these days short for whatever the reason is wrong. Is wrong. So in conclusion, I also want to say this. Life is precious and your life is precious as well. Your life is precious. Doesn't matter how old you are, how wise you are, how young you are. Doesn't matter where you've been, where you're going in life. Don't, doesn't matter where you are this morning. Some of you may have walked in with a very heavy heart, maybe searching for answers, looking for answers. Maybe you're depressed or anxious. No one knows because you put on that smile, but inside you are absolutely dead and raw. And you think to yourself, what meaning does my life have? And my answer to you is this. Your life is invaluable. Can't put a price tag on it. The precious gift of life cannot be bought, cannot be earned. Life is life is life. You were created in the image of the creator of matter. You have a purpose. He's still working on you. You're still here. If he was done with you, You'd be either in heaven or hell. But whatever it is, you're still here. And maybe you're still here to hear this very heavy and weighty message on abortion. But more importantly, you just need a messenger of God to tell you this, that you matter. That you still matter. 
that your life matters to God. There have been so many babies whose lives have been cut short. They were never given the privilege that you and I have to live a life for the glory of God. 1 Corinthians 10, 31, we're created for this. Do whatever we do, do all for his glory, the glory of God. It's our purpose for existence. It's the only reason why you and I were created for this reason. For him. And he ordained you for him. Think of it. Before time was, he ordained you to exist today. What awesome reality this is. Let it blow your mind. We have life. And it matters how we spend it. Unfortunately, left to ourselves, we aren't good stewards of the life that God has given us. This precious gift that he's given us. The Bible says that we've all sinned. We've all sinned. We've all come short. We've all broken God's law. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And the Bible says the wages of that sin is death. Not just death in this life. But death in the next. An eternal death. In a place where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. And where the smoke of their torment goes on forever and ever and ever. Jesus came to give life. He came to give life and life more abundantly. And you'll never want to be a truth bearer as you ought for life or anything really. Unless you have first been saved by the truth. Because the truth and only the truth will set you free. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth and the life. And no one comes to the Father but by me. So I want to, before I close, extend that invitation to you. You are somebody. God created you in his image for your glory, for his glory. And though you have sinned against God, God has done something. That you may be forgiven of your sin. The repentance and faith in Christ Jesus our Lord. Have you done that this morning? Or are you wasting away this precious gift that he has given you? I pray that you're sitting here and you're lost. That there's an ounce of uncertainty in your life. That you would make amends with God today. That you would repent of your sin. And turn to him as Lord and Savior of your life. And embrace him. And embrace the pro-life movement that stands for the shedding. Or gets the shedding of innocent blood. May we be a church, a people, who unapologetically truly stands up for the sanctity of life. May we be a church that will say, I will not permit what God calls sin. May we do what we must to live in line with Scripture to protect all human life. And may we remind ourselves to do all we do in the image and the likeness of God for the glory of his name. For his glory and for your joy. Would you pray with me? Let's pray together.